I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are drawing ever closer to the kickoff of the NFL season. We're less than two weeks away from the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the $500 million man, Patrick Mahomes, facing off against the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. Going to be a great game. We're in the thick of redraft season, and with so much important nonsense to cover in the redraft world, we turn to our redraft expert. You can find him over at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, how are you doing today? Oh, man. That was quite the intro, Jack. Thank you so very much. But oh, I am by so no welcome. means an expert. You should know better than call me that. <laughs> and yeah, perfect. You know, I just do my research. I do the game logs. I watch tape. I'm just, I like learning. That's the whole point of this is I learn more and I try and give you any information I got because otherwise we're all in trouble. But man, I am getting my fill, getting ready for football, watching replays of great games. And with now hard knocks on, uh, I love seeing the energy that McVay brings to his coaching. And then, of course, on the other side, Lynn, who's just so laid back and relaxed, but he's also the player's coach. He's always with the guys. It kind of understands it all. But it kind of... The storyline for Hard Knocks really seems to be Herbert being a break on a breakout year. Like, he's going to be the one who comes in and just steals the job. Not quite sure what I believe on that yet, but, man, he looks good on the tape that they're showing. I like that Eckler... How many games do you have uh, Tyrod Taylor starting? Dude, With uh, it's just so impressive because the schedule looks so good for him. I could see him at least making it to the bye, if not later, and that's pretty much half the season. And I just I don't I'm don't see there being any more value. Like I, I completely agree. Unless you unless they lose week one to the Bengals, I do agree. I think that Tyrod's gonna be starting for a while. At worst, they're gonna go two and three, and then they're going on a big win streak. They've got some easy games in there. So I agree. Really exciting to see on hard knocks that Herbert is looking to take that step forward, but it is Tyrod's job. Anything else from hard knocks that interests you? Oh man. I just love seeing players really leading the team. Like Austin Eckler coming up and talking to the running backs and talking to the line, Aaron Donald trying to get players better. I mean, it's just great. Do you have any thoughts on, are you enjoying hard knocks? Is it giving you that football feeling that you need? It really is, and it's really different from last offseason. We didn't really get a whole lot. Mike Mayock really shut things down in Oakland world, but when it was Oakland Raiders last season, their final season. But it was just weird. We had Gruden being Gruden, and we had some impressions of him. But other than that, it was kind of a stale season. So, no, I am quite enjoying this one. But anyways, moving on from Hard Knocks, we're going to head into the news. And we've had a lot of it now that we're back in training camp. We're going to start off with the quarterback. So, Starting off, both Bears quarterbacks are bad, and really neither are establishing themselves as the starter. I thought Foles would be the starter come week one because they did trade for his massive contract, but it looks like Mitchell Trubisky could be starting because he does know the system because of this truncated offseason. So I'm really not sure what to make of it. It's disappointing. Come on, way. Jack. You know that who it's going to be. Do you know who the quarterback coach is for the Bears now? I do not. John Filippo. Does that help oh. you decide who is really going to be? Okay, well that does lean that does add credence to my my idea that it is going to be Nick Foles. So yes, true. Nick Foles is starter week 1, but apparently he's not looking good. So unfortunate there. Anyways, moving on, someone who is looking good, Alex Smith Smith is back and he is off the NFI list. Uh he's ready to be the backup to Dwayne Haskins. It's going to be a great story for real life. It's not so much a great story in fantasy. Oh, no, it, man. You have to look at it again because they're giving all this crap on Haskins and Allen. I'm just, it, if I think he's going to be on a short leash. And so I could really see Alex Smith potentially getting some playing time. And that just pumps me up if he is actually healthy. It would, it would be a lot of fun, but this is Dwayne Haskins' job. They drafted him number one last year. I know it is a new coaching staff, but it was a pick forced by the owner. So that doesn't change. It's still the owner's like child, basically. So Dan Snyder's going to force that. So I am excited to see Alex Smith be active on game day. I don't think it's going to happen. Not fantasy relevant. Dwayne Haskins' job. 
on a bad offense. Speaking of bad offenses and bad decisions, the Titans waived Cole McDonald in place of Trevor Simeon. Terrible decision. Poor one out. Very disappointing. We also have news that the Patriots were platooning Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham, which was also going to lead to a terrible offense because two QB offenses do not work in the NFL. It makes no sense. Thankfully, that talk has ended. Jarrett Stidham threw zero interceptions on day one, and then the next three days he threw seven. This is Cam's job. Let's go. Yeah, I don't think anybody's surprised on this, and... It, I think it really will depend on how quickly Newton will pick up the system and how he's able to go through reads. I'm sure he's just trying to knock some of the dust off from having Liz Frank, so I'm, it's not anything to worry about for me. Well, and to your point of him learning the, the system, he is now at an advantage because Jarrett Didham is out of practice. He has some discomfort in his leg. He was at the hospital last night. He is okay. He is back at practice, but he isn't actively participating in practice, so it, it's Cam's job. It's exciting. Let's go. Another thing that's exciting, our top headline for running backs, Cordero Patterson, no longer with the receivers. He is with the running backs full-time, meetings, drills, everything. Look out in that Chicago backfield. Tariq Cohen, be on notice. This is his job. Anyways, not that actually exciting. Our real top headline, Doug Peterson says that Miles Sanders is the guy in Philadelphia. They're not going to bring in anyone else. It's his job, and he's immediately hurt. Sanders is now week to week. So, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that, that, Jason? That does not give me any confidence in this player. I mean, if he's already week to week. I mean, even Boston Scott, at least his designation was day-to-day. So this kind of has me a little nervous for him. I could see it being more of a committee than what we initially expected. Yeah, and so the thing is, we finally did see Sanders get that full-time job at the end of the season, and he did have some games where he did have to leave because he was experiencing some cramps. And, you know, that is a rookie thing. Rookie mistake, doesn't know how to hydrate properly. It happens, but now he's finally given the job, and now he's out with an injury. So it's just unfortunate timing for these things to happen. Really hope that Miles Sanders is able to make it this day or return for week one. Uh, speaking of week one, Dalvin Cook and the Vikings have broke off contract talks, and it looks like Dalvin Cook might enter week one without a new contract. Might be playing, heading towards that franchise tag next year as well. Oh, definitely going to be playing for a contract, and I just think that makes his value even more of a case if that's like, what he's really working for. Oh, dude could be a big monster if he can stay healthy this year and might even pass up Zeke. It, it really could happen. It really looks like they're going to ride him, and it looks like Cook is out for vengeance. He really does want that contract, so it's going to be a fun year. Let's hope that Vikings offense can take another step forward, even though they lost Stephon Diggs. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield, running back TJ Logan was placed on injured reserve, which now has Bruce Arians saying that Keyshawn Vaughn's in the mix to returns. Sounds great, but kind of scares me because it sounds like David Johnson, back when he was a rookie, during that time, he averaged 4.9 touches a game as a rookie for 11 games behind Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington. And this wasn't Chris Johnson, the good version. This was him after he was out of Tennessee. Really ha- was not CJ2K at that point at all anymore. So are, can we expect to see the same thing about a Keyshawn Vaughn? Is, he is also behind Ronald Jones. He's behind Dario Gumbawale. And he's behind LaShawn McCoy. So really, we could be looking at a special teams and maybe five touches a game from Keyshawn Vaughn. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, man, and it is a just depressing because I was watching some of the tape comparing Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, and his footwork just looks so much better. And so it has me a little nervous, but he might be the talented guy that really just is the backup, and that is kind of what they're telling us and kind of what it is actually going to end up looking like, and that makes me nervous I, for it. It really does look like it's going to be a case of uh, David Johnson's rookie year. We're going to see a repeat where the talented running back is just kick returns, couple touches a game, and he's going to score touchdowns on those, and we're all going to be clamoring for more touches, and it's not going to happen. I really do believe that we're going to see Ronald Jones, and Jason, you have swung me. You really have. I hate to say it, but Ronald Jones is going to be the Sony Michelle, the LeGarrette Blunt of this Tampa Bay backfield. Dare Gumbawale is the James White. You're right. You were right. I was wrong, and I'm I hate to say it. So take your victory lap now. Oh, no. It's also 100%. It's John. John did all that hard work. He got me even more on him, and it just kind of snowballed from there. It, he's not the best player, I, but I really think lightening up and being able to pass block, if he can keep that up, yeah, it's going to be hard to take that job from him. 
I hate giving credit to Dr. <laughs> Dynasty to John Chancey. <laughs> Check him out over at importantnonsense.com. Uh, the Bengals' backfield, they waived Rodney Anderson with a failed physical. So this is truly Joe Mixon's backfield. Very little competition. Keep an eye out for Travion Williams, and they're going to slowly phase out Giovanni Bernard. But it's Joe, Joe Mixon's backfield fully. Another backfield that isn't fully established, though, A.J. Dillon. Quads are insane, but so is Matt LaFleur. LaFleur says he's never seen a running back like A.J. Dillon, but the man literally gave Deion Lewis the same amount of carries as uh, Derrick Henry for 13 games, 145 carries to 145 carries. Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. So how can we trust him that he's going to use this running, this legendary running back he's never seen before? How do we know he's going to use him properly? They also have Aaron Jones, who deserves more touches because he is a very talented running back. So uh, uh, what do we do, Jason? What do we do? Hey, you can't come to me on this. I'm telling you, I am on that A.J. Dillon hype train all the way. I'm going to hopefully have a giant victory lap come in my way. And God, he's just um, so impressive. And I really think that he's going to take work from both of him, Jones, sorry, him as in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And it's just not even going to be an issue. I think he's going to look great and pro probably be the second running back on the team because, man, he's huge and just stacked. It's impressive. It really sounds like he is at worst the RB2. It does sound like Jamal Williams Williams is going to be relegated to kind of that Rex Burkhead change of pace role, which is disappointing for him. But this Packers backfield could be very exciting, very explosive. Other backfield that is exciting and explosive, we have the Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb is in concussion protocol, but he is already back in meetings. So hopefully he's all right out there. Yeah, and Kareem Hump already breathing down his neck. Definitely making me want to make sure you go oh, hunt, give man. it up. No give way. He's up. going to have his independent value, even without, with Chubb playing. And it's, I mean, you might as well grab him because if, if Chubb does go out for any period of time, Hunt is going to be the guy, and it's going to be just a massacre. All right, as long as you're not pounding the table for him to replace Chubb, I can get behind that. Uh, speaking of backfields that we are looking for a replacement in, Lamar Miller is, uh, as of today, he's apparently hopefully going to come back off of the active PUP, which I really, I don't know, he's he signed with the team and hasn't practiced yet, so I'm really not worried about him at this point. And Sony Michelle might be ready for week one. I'll believe it when I see it. He's also not practicing following another foot surgery. So Damien Harris getting a heavy workload, which is exciting, but that New England Patriots backfield is just so ambiguous. I really think James White's the only guy you can trust there. 100%. I love the James White take here, and I'm, I kind of want to see him have a full workload. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see James White have that opportunity, but I think he's just one of the guys who's just too small to have a full workload like that. It's never going to happen, unfortunately. It would be lovely to see him operate as a full-time running back in, say, the Kansas City Chiefs offense. But in the Patriots backfield, where they do like that between-the-tackles runner, employ a fullback, it's not going to happen. Just like it's not going to happen with Darrington Evans, if you read the headlines. He's reportedly fumbled twice on the first day of training camp, had a couple issues since. So we could be looking at 45 targets for Derrick Henry. Move him up your boards if you believe that's going to happen, because Derrick Henry with 45 targets is terrifying. Another you running mean, back. You're that, going to make him give him a whole other dimension. Come on, Jack. You can't do that. That just makes him a big giant catch, catch passing machine. It, I don't want it. it. He's going to be a monster. That's terrifying for any defense to see Derrick Henry catch a ball and then run at you with it. Oi. They also cut third string running back Dalen Dawkins. I didn't think that was newsworthy, oh, but wow. you want to focus on how great Derrick Henry is, how much of the workload is there for him. It really is. And a running back that we are hoping is going to get a full workload is DeAndre Swift. He did get the day off after tweaking his leg in Thursday's practice. He did not practice on Friday. This comes days after Jonathan Williams signed with the Lions, which likely relates to Bo Scarborough. He hasn't really been practicing a whole lot lately. He's coming off of injury, so it looks like those two will be competing. But really what this tells me is the Lions do not trust Carrion Johnson. He's been rocking a big, heavy knee brace, even though he is reportedly healthy. But it's a confidence thing. He doesn't have confidence in that knee. He's not stable. He's worried. And I think the Lions are worried, too. You don't, if they weren't, they wouldn't have drafted DeAndre Swift. They wouldn't have drafted Jason Huntley, a running back they, they took on day three of the draft. They wouldn't have signed Jonathan Williams. And they still have Ty Johnson and Bo Scarborough. So you really can't trust Carrion Johnson. Move him down your draft boards. You're going to thank me later. Well, and at the same point, I'm really still surprised that, uh, God, what is his name? Freeman hasn't been signed at least here. I think he'd be a good mix for those and kind of give that change of pace with Swift getting some of the work, but not all of it kind of lets everybody kind of relaxed. 
and he doesn't have an injury history. Like the fact that Swift is already hurt, like makes me nervous. And so just something to think about, I, you know, you also have to pay him, which isn't the most ideal situation either. Moving on to the Jaguars backfield, we have Divine Zigbo, who's been getting more reps. Raquel Armstead did return from the COVID IR. Uh, but really, that all that really tells us is it's going to be a car wash in that backfield if anything happens to Leonard Fournette. There's no handcuff. Chris Thompson, you may, might believe he's going to take targets away from Leonard Fournette. I really disagree. I think he's washed. But sure, let's say that happens. Even if Fournette gets hurt, it's going to be a three-way backfield between Thompson, Zigbo, and Armstead. Stay away. Not going to be fun. And finally, our final backfield we're going to highlight right here, the New York Jets. We have the Adam Gase New York Roundup. So a story over on ESPN by Jets insider Rich uh, Chimini says that the Jets are planning to lessen Le'Veon Bell's workload to mix in Frank Gore. And this is where I do my I told you so dance, Jason. So I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Frank Gore is going to get 100 carries this year. It's going to be awful. I disagree with it. It's going to happen. Yeah, I... Again, I just hate that they signed Gore because Gase just has this insane love of him, and I, I don't know why, except for he's just so dependable. He's that guy who's going to get you there, even if you don't he's, want. He's going to get you get you there two point nine yards per carry at a time. You it's you hope, <laughs> you hope it's that high at this age. He's just going to keep on trucking. Uh, we are going to carry on with the Adam Gase New York roundup, moving on to the Jets receivers. Vincent Smith will undergo core surgery. Denzel Mims has been out with injury, so the team signed Chris Hogan. I'm not worried about Chris Hogan. I drafted him years ago, thought he was going to be a thing, and he's not. So this means it's Brashad Perriman season, who I also thought was going to be a thing years ago. He was not. Now he is, though. He is a thing. Brashad Perriman, breakout season incoming. Yeah, I mean, I understand Chris Hogan. I think he's a solid option. I think he's actually more of a backup because they're worried about the health of uh, maybe Crowder potentially going down, and I could see him more in that role. But this is where Chris really comes in, man. Chris Herndon is just going to, I had completely forgot about him in the offseason, not even thinking he's a thing. And then I look at their lineup last month and I saw them there. I'm like, wow, he could really sneak in, take a bunch of targets and be really successful saving Sam Donald's butt. So he's just somebody who becomes a really interesting late round tight end grab. I'm glad you said that because New York Daily News reporter Charles McDonald says that Herndon is getting fed the ball in practice. So if you are a believer in Chris Herndon, I know I was talking about him last offseason. I thought you just had to wait out the four-game suspension and he'd be fine. This is the year it's going to happen for Chris Herndon if you believe reports. Another player that this is reportedly going to be the year for is McCole Hardman. So Tyreek Hill injured his hamstring in practice. Sammy Watkins has been out with a groin injury. He did make his return. And it sounds like Tyreek Hill isn't going to be out that long. but it might cause McCall Harmon's ADP to climb anyways. It's kind of risky. He's already in the seventh round, and he was averaging just 2.25 targets per game last season. But when Tyreek Hill was in the lineup, it was 1.06 targets per game. You can't live off of that in fantasy, one target per game. Yeah, but what, really might, what actually might make him worth it is if you your league happened to have that punt returning, because I think he's going to be the guy who's returning punts based on everything that I'm reading. And if that's the case... If he can get even, I'd say, four targets a game and be a punt returner, that would be awesome for his worth. And at seven, I think that seventh round, I think that'd be great. I'll agree with you there in leagues that do reward you the return bonuses. Absolutely. He is much more valuable in those. And Hardman does have value if something happens to Hill or with Watkins. But in just your standard PPR league, not worth it at this point where he's going with these two healthy receivers. So keep an eye on that. In other news, every ro rookie wide receiver is apparently amazing. Henry oh, Ruggs. Wow. Yeah, who would have believed it? We would have he heard all these reports a couple months ago, but then COVID happened, and so it was all delayed. But yeah, it's really exciting. Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, both seeing time in the slot. They both look amazing. Jerry Judy looks amazing. KJ Hamler looked amazing. And unfortunately, dagger to my heart, he's going to be out for four weeks with a hamstring injury. So look for Tim Patrick to start in his absence and look for me to cry a little bit in the shower tonight after this. Yeah, so. and they even kind of were leading that way anyway. And I could not believe that Tim Patrick was one of the ones getting first team reps. And it just is surprising with KJ Hamler being there. But if he has an injury, I can kind of see how he kind of worked in his, his way in. He just snaked in there to seal some of the looks. 
Exactly. It was veteran deference at the beginning and that they were giving him the snaps because he's the guy he's already been through it. KJ Hamler was going to phase him out by the end of the off season, but we don't get to see that anymore. Jalen Rager, on the other hand, lining up in all three receiver positions. He's been compared to a mix of Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin. So how's that for a Frankenstein? Love that. Justin Jefferson is exactly what the Vikings drafted him to be. Michael Pittman's in the starting lineup. Devin Duvernay is looking like he might be the starting slot for the Ravens. Antonio Gandy-Golden's looking great. Everything is awesome, Jason. All these rookies are great. Every team got exactly what they were hoping for. Do you believe them yeah, all? Of course you have to. I mean, the team are most... All the players are going to be effective. I just am more worried about if they actually get the playing time and the targets. Like, that's where the issue really comes in. Are they going to be fantasy-relevant? That I'm not so sure on. When it comes to Jeff Justin Jefferson, I'm really nervous for him because, man, they just don't throw the ball enough. And it, him, especially uh, if he plays like he should and his talent, his ability to run routes, I think he could be a great player. I mean, it's the same issue with Devin Duvernay. If he's lining up in the slot, that's a great place for him. I think he's going to be excellent. But another team that I'm worried about won't throw the ball enough. And you just are going, it's going to be Brown and. Uh, Andrews and then Ingram and I guess whoever they decide to th potentially throw in whether it's Justice Hill, Gus Edwards oh wait, J.K. Dobbins hmm. but you know, just things to kind of keep in mind when you're hoping for a long shot, I'd prefer people that are looking higher up like I like Andy Golden because there's not really any other wide receivers that are preventing it from having a but you're paying high. nothing for him too yeah. you're, he's, he's not gonna be, you're not drafting him within the first I don't know, 18 rounds of your draft. Maybe you're going with your last pick. So yeah, perfect guy like that. Just make sure you temper expectations with rookies. A rookie I'm not sure we need to temper expectations on anymore is Brandon Ayuk because Jalen Hurd tore his ACL. Debo Samuel is not expected to play week one. Reserve receiver Richie James Jr. is out. So it looks like Brandon Ayuk is going to be that guy other than George Kittle. We've also got Trent Taylor. He's operating in the slot. And then there's a bunch of names like Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis. They're both still there. Jawan Jennings, seventh rounder. They signed JJ Nelson, Tavon Austin, and Jerron Brown. Car wash at receiver. None of those guys matter at all. It's Brandon Ayuk and it's George Kittle. And it's the running backs. And that's it. Jason, any dispute? Yeah, just a little, just because of the fact that Kendrick Bourne has, is just one of those players that doesn't really get hurt. He's been there so consistently that I have to see them giving him the targets first, him having the rapport already with Jimmy Garoppolo. But again, this is not a team that I'm really looking at just because they run first. That's not a real good option for you anyway. So it's Kittle and then running. So I'm, I mean, if haven't, it'd be great to see Jimmy G really chuck it and throw it around and not be the manager that he, they kind of want him to be, but it's just, I, I can't, I want Bourne to be a thing, but I just don't think it's somebody you want to draft. No, would love to see it. Would love to see Jimmy Gorgeous chucking the ball around. Would also love to see Derek Carr chucking the ball around because they the Raiders did load up on offense around him. Brian Edwards is reportedly taking first team snaps over Henry Ruggs. However, when you look a little bit closer at who the starting roster was, Josh Jacobs wasn't in their lineup, and then they had Nelson Aguilar in the slot, and they had Zay Jones operating as the, the Z receiver. So really, it's not the starters with when Josh Jacobs isn't on the field. Hunter Renfro is going to be a starter, and Henry Ruggs is going to be a starter. So I really don't read much into this. Do you, Jason? No, I mean, again, it's just one of those things that I think he's an interesting guy with the weird situation that we're going into with football. I think he has a chance to be somebody that could kind of show sparks, but again, Unless it's just any your bench guy, I'm not, or I guess even Dynasty is you're potentially drafting him. But other than that, I'm I can't I can't do it. I'm not drafting him in redraft at all. No, really, uh, it's it's one of those things you, you get excited about him. It's a flashy name, but yeah, it's not going to happen. Just hype off season, not hype. Just like it's off season hype when we go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Justin Watson is making a push for the wide receiver three role, except for when he's not, and Scotty Miller is. The one thing we do know, Tyler Johnson has not practiced until today. He was out with a soft tissue injury. He is back, but he's really behind the eight ball behind these two veterans who have been in the system. So look for Justin Watson or Scotty Miller to maybe make an impact week one. Car wash there. Ravens work out Des Bryant. He's expected to take some time before he signs anywhere. Really not sure if he makes an impact in fantasy this season. I wouldn't have him too high on your board at all. Yeah, no. I, I Of the options, I'd prefer the Ravens add him 
because the other option would be Antonio Brown. And I, I just, I don't want that because it would kill all the value for Duvernay and maybe even the other Brown. And I, it just makes me so nervous. Yeah, keep that away from me. Also, AJ Green hamstring tweak does have me a little bit worried. TJ, or not TJ, T Higgins has also missed some time in Bengals training camp. So this wide receiver room is a little bit cursed. Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate are looking like they might be the day one starters if it, those either of those two miss time. <laughs> yeah, not exciting. Uh, we move on to tight end. TJ Hawkinson is not 100% following ankle injury. That is a little bit scary. Uh, Dallas Goddard also not 100% after being knocked out in a restaurant during the offseason. Now he's dealing with a hairline fr fracture in his thumb. It shouldn't be too big of a problem. He does remain on track for week one, but it is something to keep an eye on him and Hawkinson, how they recover. Aguar's tight end, Josh Oliver, he's not going to recover. He is going to miss the 2020 season with a broken foot, unfortunately. However, Tyler Eifert was brought in this offseason, played 16 games for the first time in his career. However, it was still just the third highest snap count total of his career. James O'Shaughnessy, kind of an interesting name. He happened his way into the tight end 13 in five healthy games early last season. Yeah, I, I, don't was, know. I was a big fan of O'Shaughnessy last year. I thought he was looking really great with uh, Minshew, and so... If that's a report, and if he can stay healthy, oh man, I'd be super excited to have him on my team. But you also know how high I am on, on Garden Minshew, so we'll just keep on going, try and get on to more news. Well, I will credit you. You always do say that rookies, and Gardner and Minshew, not a rookie, but young quarterback, love to target the tight end. So yeah, maybe we do see some connection there with between Gardner Minshew and James O'Shaughnessy. And we've got our final news of the night Pour one out for Thad Moss. He was waived slash injured by the Washington football team. Jason, I know you are very upset. The good news in this, however, is that it could be that the Washington is moving him onto the IR. This is a procedural move that sometimes happens. He could end up on IR, redshirt the season, come back bigger and stronger next offseason. So, Jason, any words on your friend Thad Moss? Man, I just had so much hope for him. If, But this, if that is the case, and he actually does get chances to run with the team, really work out, become the guy that they need. It could be a whole new season next year. And man, I'm just, I'm hoping the best for him, but that's really depressing because I, I had a lot of hope for him with uh, the new tight ends coach in Washington. There's plenty more news that you can follow along with us over at importantnonsense.com. We didn't even get into all the IDP news. We thought about it. We didn't have time, but don't worry. Mr. Nee Wallace-Bruce will be back with us next week. He's going to cover all the important IDP news. So with that, let's hear a word from the head of the website, Steve Bonham. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave, take your time, you don't want any accidents down there. And the water resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You wanna show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE, that's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. -E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. Thank you for that, Steve. 
And this brings us to Jason's favorite section of the night because he gets to be in charge for once. We have Jason's question hour. Jason, take it away. Oh man, that's terrifying. But you know, I, I really, really doing this. I really don't like giving you control. I really don't. So continue. Ooh, let's touch all the buttons. Oh, sorry. Um, let's go with our first question. Guy loves to give us something and sweet seven eleven brought up a common issue that's going on right now. Jonathan Taylor is getting the first team reps. I'm curious about how high he should be going in drafts. For me, I mean, I I didn't like where he was going initially, but it, I so I'm going to just let you go because there's no way that I would be drafting him in any case unless he's like falling to the eighth ninth round, which isn't going to happen. But the eighth ninth round, what is wrong with you? No, 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 no. Okay, so first of all. Yes, J- Jonathan Taylor, he is starting to climb too high. He is starting to go in the third round consistently. I loved drafting him in the fourth round. It was great. So exciting getting him in the fourth round because I did see this coming. Not a surprise that he's surpassing Marlon Mack on the death chart. Oh, surprise, a very average running back is getting replaced by a te- running back that the team traded up for. Who could have seen this coming? Oh, me. But now because of this news, everyone's overreacting. Now he's moving up into the third round. And I'm not sure I'm willing to pay that price tag. I can flirt with it a little bit, depending on how many running backs are off the board at that point. Like, let's say Ornette and Gurley are off the board in the third round, and you're looking at a wasteland of running backs behind it. Maybe I can get behind it then. But I, yeah, I don't know. I can't see myself paying too up too much for him. I mean, and that's just part of the issue is that he's, it's the same thing with CEH. I would love CEH in the third, fourth round. But people have gone insane and lost their minds, and we're looking at him in the first round, if you're lucky. <laughs> like, if he's making it past pick six, it's an incredible feat. But I don't understand why people are going so high on rookies. And I love the talent of uh, Taylor, but it's just, I, I can't afford it. It's too expensive for me. So, oh well. For for me, it's Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Fournette, Gurley, all those guys that I have going ahead of Jonathan Taylor. I do have Taylor going ahead of guys like David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, and DeAndre Swift. But that's kind of where I just middle of the road running back. I do like having him on my roster, but we do have a big enough threat from Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack that you can't pay too high for him. If he goes starts going in the first half of the third round, I'm completely out. Back half, maybe, but it's really starting to scare me where he's creeping up to. Yeah, and I mean, so I think we covered that well enough. I'm kind of curious now. I've been seeing it a bunch of places, but are you worried about any different backfields? Like, for me, I I am so nervous for the Cardinals' backfield because I'm pretty sure it's going to be split between Edmonds and Drake. I do think there's a lot of talent there, but it's just one of those things that I keep keeps weighing on my mind that it could just be a too big of a split, whether it's like a 45-55. Like, it could be so dead even that it just really hurts both players' value. What do you think, Jack? What do you got? See, it's hard for me to say, to answer your initial question, is I don't want part of a backfield, period, because there's always value to be found in every backfield. There's always those late-round breakout guys, so it is tough for me to say that. But moving on to your point about the Cardinals, I'm really not worried about them. I'm happy taking both of them at their ADP right now. There's a lot of meat on the bone in that Cardinals offense. They might lead the league in plays run this season. We've seen running back, two running backs be productive in the same backfield before the Chargers did it last season. We could see that just from sheer volume of the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm really not worried about either of them, especially Edmonds is going so late. Edmonds going 10th round at the highest, and I'm, I'm fine with Kenyon Drake in the first. So yeah, not really worried about that. When it comes to backfields that I don't want at their ADP, there are a couple, and Kansas City does come to mind. Fresh Prince of Hilaire is going way too high for me, but DeAndre Washington, enough value there. And there are all those ugly backfields. Like, I'm not thrilled about having the Jets backfield, the Broncos backfield, or the Bears. Bell, Gordon, Montgomery, they all far, fall, fall far enough that they can be valued. So, eh. The team I'm completely avoiding, though, at their ADP is the Dolphins, because there's just no value there. So, we've got Jordan Howard, and he's the definition of gets what's blocked for him. He's the RB16 in PPR through nine weeks behind the number one run-blocking offensive line, according to PFF. He doesn't have that now. He has the worst run-blocking offensive line per PFF. So, yeah, we're not going to see much from Jordan Howard, and he's going in the seventh round. And the same with Matt Breida. He's going running behind that same offensive line. He's never seen more than 150 carries in a season. 
So we have a scat back in a bad offense behind a bad offensive line. It's just there's not enough return on either of these, like on either of these players. Yeah, and that's another one that uh, you don't know how it's going to break, how it's going to really break down. And again, I do think it's going to be Howard's job, but they're going to sprinkle in Brita. And does does it matter out. though? Yeah, does it matter if it's his job? I don't think it does. But again, it's just exactly. one of those things. The leading rusher last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick for that team. I mean, that's something yeah. that needs to be said because maybe they have a better offense overall, and so there's potentially value, but it, it's just difficult for me to th- see any there. I'm not seeing it there. You know, Patrick Laird, 18th round, 19th round, 20th round. Sure, I'm down with that. He might catch a lot of passes in this offense. It's bad. They're going to be throwing a lot. Get me away from Howard. Get me away from Brita, even though I love Brita as a player. Anyways, Jason, moving on from the Dolphins, we've wasted enough time. Yeah, any talk about the Dolphins is too much time. But (laughs) with that in mind, okay, I have been just, you know, my love for Blake Jarwin. I've been talking everywhere I I could. (laughs) I've been fighting with this. Well, not really fighting. We've been talking about it with a guy from Fantasy Alarm. He called himself a renowned tight end scientist. Didn't know that was a thing, but that's kind of interesting. And he's doing a series on tight ends. But his, I mean, he, ha- of course, has the top three. And then he has Ingram, who I like, and you don't, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Damn and then bad. Mike Gis- Gisecki, who I like, who you also like. He's a great, talented player. But yeah, likes a strong word. I, I tolerate Gisecki. <laughs> Continue. You were a huge fan of his last year, so I'm going to say you like him. It's just how it's going to go. But, man... He doesn't seem to be a fan of any late round tight ends. He's comparing him to it's not the same thing as a late round quarterback where you can kind of have the same production, which I agree with to a point, but it's just one of those things. So I have to know what tight end would you consider a guy that has top five upside? So I don't think Jarwin has top five upside, unfortunately. I love the player, but I don't think it's going to happen for him. But So I'm a big science guy, and I believe we should all be listening to our scientists right now. And I'm happy to agree with you that Jarwin is fantastic. So he was 12th in yards per reception at 11.8. Witten was 43rd out of 44 tight ends. Jarwin was 9th in yards per route run. Witten was 26th. Witten was the tight end 11 last year in fantasy. And this is a year after he came out of retirement. So, like, yeah, what are we doing here? Jarwin could absolutely ascend. I am really excited with him. I'm on board with he's not going to match Witten's 82 targets, but he doesn't need to. The efficiency's there, so I do want to give you credit. I don't think he's going to reach that top five, but I do want to highlight You're killing me here. You're killing me because you have to realize that until Jason Witten retired, he had averaged 98% of snaps. Last year, he was at 77%. Like That's something that you have to kind of realize, and he got 82 targets in that 77% that he was on the field. I'm assuming, which I know is a horrible word to say, but Blake Jarwin is going to be the tight end that they want on the field a majority of the time. So you're kind of right. I think he's going to actually end up getting over 90 targets, so he's not going to get the 82. You're you're correct there. He's going to get over 90. And I think that I have projected him around 820 yards and five touchdowns, which is a great value at where he's going. Wow, so he, he's getting 820, and then according to the fantasy community, we've got three other receivers in that offense getting 1,000. So, wow. Cowboys are going off. That just means we love Dak. Yeah, All we right. do love Dak, but I don't like Cooper. I don't understand why everybody's so hype on him. Even the coaches are saying, man, Michael Gallup is our wide receiver one. You got to believe it. But Blake Jarwin is bigger than Cooper. Why would you not give him more shots? He's I a play different body positions dude. completely. I know, but it, it's a big, it's the biggest player on the field. You got to give it to Jarwin, and he's super talented when he gets the ball. Well, well, if we want to give the ball to the biggest player on the field, we have linemen for that. So, uh, bad, bad argument, but I do agree with your premise that just Blake rude. Jar- Blake Jarwin <laughs> does deserve more targets. Is there anyone else at tight end that you're looking at? Oh, you know it's Jack Doyle, man. You have to. We I keep saying it over and over again, and for some reason nobody's listening. But Philip Rivers has only had one year where he didn't produce a top 12 tight end, and it was last year with Hunter Henry Hurt and one of his worst QB years, in my opinion. So let's just keep this moving. Since you can't take that guy, do you have anybody else that you're kind of interested in that you like that you think could be top five? You know the answer, and I'm absolutely getting the seal of approval from Neil and Steve on this. It's uh, Joe New Smith. It's Joe New Smith. 
Oh, Jonas Smith is three inches shorter than Mike Gusecki, but unlike Mike Gusecki, he has never underproduced his athleticism. So Mike Gusecki is a senior in college, 9.9 yards per reception at Penn State, 78 out of 107 qualifying tight ends per PFF. So that's terrible. Then in the NFL, he was 19th, 19th in yards per reception, 3.6 yards after the catch was 36 out of 44. So the guy's an athletic freak, Mike Gusecki is, but he's never... He's never performed up to that. Jonu has. So Jonu, you get a guy, he compares favorably favorably to his Gasecki in every athletic metric, but absolutely fantastic. 12.5 yards per reception, 8.1 of them coming after the catch. So two yards away from a first down every time the guy gets a catch. Behind only Noah Fant, only guy that, that tight end that beat him. Tight end 13 in Tannehill's 10 starts, t- third on the team in targets behind AJ Brown. And he had less targets than Corey Davis, but he had two more receptions. So He's a better player. Tannehill's in charge now. Lots of short, intermediate throws. Corey Davis going to be running those dummy decoy routes on the outside. A.J. Brown's going to eat. Tannehill's going to eat. Jonu Smith's going to eat. And Derrick Henry's going to eat. Yeah, and I mean, I, I completely agree. I do see him moving up and being that tight end two on the team and could just be a huge beast. But Also, sh- also shout out Irv Smith because he's not going to be top five this year, but next year. Absolutely. Whoa, not this year. Come on now. Especially Top if five, five is hard to crack. We already have three guys, so we're two. We have two that we can put in there. Yeah, I guess. I guess, I guess. I guess. If we're keeping Ertz in there, which maybe okay. with Goddard being hurt, that's one. There's one spot, and I put Jonu in it. Fine, I guess, I'll, I'll give that to you. But all right, I keep seeing everywhere the question being asked, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Reddit, where it's wherever. Who are the guy or guys you can't help but have on your fantasy team? Like. Are there somebody that you just, every time you draft, you're ending him up with them on your team? Who do you got? So by position, uh, M. Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, absolutely at quarterback, all of them being so undervalued. Teddy is finally starting to creep up a little bit more reasonable. He's going ahead of Phillip Rivers now, so that's good news, but still way undervalued. Cam Newton undervalued as well. Tom Brady going behind Matt Stafford and Josh Allen, which is a crying shame. At running back, DeAndre Swift. Fifth round auto draft every single time. Just push that button, even though he's hurt going with DeAndre Swift. It used to be Jonathan touchdown Taylor, but now he's going a little bit higher than that. At receiver, we got Henry Ruggs all the time. He's going to be that wide receiver one in Oakland. He's going to be fed targets like they wanted to do with Antonio Brown. Also love Preston Williams playing that wide receiver two role in Miami. Anthony Miller and Steven Sims are going to be PPR monsters as well. And when we get to tight end, it's Jonu. Jonu all the way. CJ Uzoma if you're going really late. Yeah, and I, I like a lot of those picks, but he left out my favorite at QB. I love and love on Gardner Minshew here. It, the okay, I, is awesome. I, can, I can stamp that. And, I mean, you said his name. I, I really like Stafford, but it's just a little bit too early for me to be really reaching that high for him. Um, running back, man, I don't know why, but everybody is so down on Mark Ingram, and I just, I love him. He's a solid fifth round. He's usually going to be your third, hopefully, if... Every time I've drafted, I've ended up having him as my third running back, and I just think that's a great value. And then wide receiver, man, Judy. I love Judy. Every time, I don't know how I keep ending up with him. He falls me great in the slot. I think he's going to have immediate impact. And, you know, tight end, already covered it. I love my Blake Jarwin. I love my Jack Doyle going for free. I think they're great options, so... All right, yeah, those were some I'm, lovely takes there, Jason. Yeah. I'm going to be done. Let's get out of this. Go All right, so back. I do have some bad news. I It's kind of like Beetlejuice. We said Jonu Smith's name too many times, so we're going to have to send it over to Steve because he's got to pipe in here, talk about Jonu Smith. So Steve, take it away. And we're back. Thank you for that, Steve. So we're going to move on to what we did last week. We had our running back tier breakdown. We're going to break down our wide receiver tiers now. So for running back, we had as a me, at least I had a Mount Rushmore of running back with the four. You wanted to make it a big six, throw in Dalvin cook and Josh Jacobs for wide receiver though. It's a big three and a big three only. I flirted with putting Devonte Adams at one ahead of Michael Thomas, but for now, Michael Thomas, one Devonte Adams, two Julio Jones, three, and that's it. Jason, do you disagree with me? you shifting that around. No, I mean, I really like all of them as great wide receivers, but I, I'm so tempted to add one in there, and it's just because I am too high on him probably, and it's Kenny Galladay. I mean, even with the 
variety of quarterbacks. He went through three different ones, gave him all quarterback one weeks, and was able to maintain his uh, overall yards per catch the same, had almost the same amount of yards per game. And if he can just continue to improve, like, I, if he can, I think his real weakness is route running. So if he can improve there, I could see him being in this group. I mean, wow. I know. And last year, you saw Chris Godwin kind of broke out and he had that talent. He, now that everyone is projecting him to be the wide receiver one in Tampa, I actually think it might be Mike Evans just because he's that big body guy. And I can, it's just so comparable for me to see Moss there. And Brady kind of shifted to Edelman after Moss left, but it was before that, and Moss and him just had a great connection. I think that's going to be the big guy that he's really going to end up targeting a lot. So, just okay, so I see, I see. So you're all about that big body on the outside. That's why you think Blake Jarwin should be getting targets over Amari Cooper. Okay, so I can read this. So we're going to have some interesting takes because I don't fully agree with you. I do agree with you on some of this. Kenny Galladay up there is ridiculous. I am sorry. I love Kenny Galladay. I live near Michigan. I'm a Detroit fan for the NFC. So he was a wide receiver 11 overall when Stafford was healthy, wide receiver nine points per game. And then he was wide receiver 16 when Jeff Driscoll and David Blau were starting for eight games. Where do you get top four from that? Like He's great. He's fantastic. But top four already? Michael Thomas level already? No, I, I, I don't agree with that. Your point on Evans, though, I will agree with you. Well, I don't quite agree. I don't co-sign it because I do have them tier below. We are splitting hair though, hairs, though. Chris Godwin's my wide receiver four. Mike Evans is my wide receiver five. I prefer Godwin because he's going to get those targets. I do like Evans quite a bit as well. Galladay, I have lower in that tier. So, wow. Shocking. Yeah, also, also a player that I am taking in drafts because he's always available and I'm usually grabbing him as my first wide receiver because I love him. That yeah, much. you're probably taking him in the first round if you have him that high. No wonder he's available. Oh, no. I love it because his value, man, I'm usually getting third, fourth round and it's perfect. It's him or Shark and I love him right there because the value is just great. Okay, okay. So moving on to the rest of that tier, we did talk about Chris Godwin, we did talk about Mike Evans. Rest of the tier is DJ Moore, who he's only 23 years old. He's already established himself as the one of the best run-after-catch receivers in the game. Allen Robinson, he'd probably be in tier one. He's like that Kenny Galladay, but he's never played with a real quarterback in his life, even dating back to college, so unfortunate. DeAndre Hopkins, I have rated below those two because I am worried about his transition. We did see him go, or we did see it with Odell Beckham, took a step down in when he traded offenses. And like you said about the Cardinals offense earlier, they love to spread their the ball around to all of their playmakers. So the way it works is it's not a 50-50 run pass split in that offense. It's a 20-20-20-20-20 split. I think that was five. There's five playmakers, so you're splitting it 20% each way. So that's kind of the way they run it. They're not going to feed DeAndre Hopkins targets like they used to. So he's I've dropped him down quite a bit. Then Odell, Juju, and Galladay rounding out the tier. Yeah, man, and we've already gone over Galladay, so I'm a little hurt that he have him so low. But I 100% agree with the DeAndre Hopkins take. I did let, told you last episode I was worried about him being a potential bust because of this situation. I'm big on DJ Moore. I love him. I believe in his – he's a big yard-after-catch guy. Like you said, you said run, but eh, it's the same, same. But – and with Teddy B really being accurate and wanting to be a safe playmaker, he's going to give it to him and let him run. It's going to be similar for CMC. I have him really going great. I love Allen Robinson, but again, you have it right on the head with the issues of – we don't know who's going to be throwing the ball, and it's just too inconsistent. If we knew who it was and if the reporter was there, I'd be completely on board with having him. But again, just not somebody I'm going to be looking at. I think you have Odell too high just because we saw how bad he was last year. And man, yeah, But did you see the training camp video? Oh, great. Let's get more of those in. But yes, I did see it. He is still impressive. It's just, man, I... I, I'm always going to take Landry. I love Landry there. He's at a better value. He, I would say he's not as talented, but he's definitely right up there with Odell. And understand my love for Galladay. Again, I love Juju, but man, it, there's just so much risk there with not knowing if he can actually be a solid wide receiver. One with, And then if it's going to be Ben, is Ben going to stay healthy? There's too many questions surrounding him. And I'm just worried that we won't see... Juju handling wide receiver one coverage well. That is the only issue I have with him, but I think these this is a solid tier. So, 
Oh, I agree with you there. Juju is, it, you do have to weigh the targets he's going to be fed versus the wide receiver one coverage. That's why I have him at the bottom of the tier. So it sounds to me, you would have Juju in the tier three. This is what I call wide receiver one minus. So it takes us through wide receiver 20. So all the guys that are going to dominate, you're not shocked if they finish as a wide receiver one, but there's just some question marks and I can't put them above the guys that I have already listed. Cooper Cup, slot receiver. He's great, but he's a slot receiver. Can't put him up there. Terry McLaurin playing in a terrible offense. I absolutely love him. AJ Brown, absolute freak, didn't really have the targets last year. He's one of the he's the only rookie receiver in NFL history to average over 20 yards per reception and break a thousand yards. Yeah, super efficient. Super efficient, and he's going to see more targets. So I am excited about him, but I don't think he's going to see enough targets to put him into that next tier. DJ Chark, same thing. Stephon Diggs, same thing. They're all wide receiver ones, but just a little bit of question marks surrounding them. And then it also in that same tier, it's the one-two punch in Seattle, Lockett, Metcalf. I really don't know who's going to lead the team in targets. And the one-two punch in Dallas as well. You don't like Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is several inches taller than him, so you must love him. So you might Are you on my side with that? Oh, I, I'm absolutely in love with Gallup, and I think that Cooper yes, is way too high. I am way too high on Cooper. I don't understand how people have him going so high, but it's fine. His inconsistency can be everybody else's downfall. I'm not going to worry about that. Any other disputes with the tier, though? I mean, I think you're kind of low on McLaurin and Shark because I do think they are the wide receiver ones. I think they'll get the volume. What really hurt McLaurin last year from not having over 100 targets was the fact that he was hurt. Like, if he wasn't hurt, I think he would have been there. And you, I went over my love for Gardner Minshew. His number one target is going to be Shark, so I don't understand why there's a drop-off. But uh, Well, and to be fair, I have them wide receiver 13 and wide receiver 15, so they're just outside of that tier. Fine, I can understand that. But Cup, I think, is too high. I'd much rather have Woods. I think he's the actual wide receiver one on the team. He's just so consistent, and it's just impressive. Uh, the other players I really think are closer to boom-bust players with A.J. Brown. I think there is the issue of his efficiency regressing, and I do think that his targets will help even it out. But again, you brought it up. I think he, I think that he is similar to Hill right now based on how he is so efficient in using his targets and having those long passes. And I think that's a huge yeah, part of his game. The difference between him and Tyreek Hill is that he's 230 pounds. You should love him. He's massive. Oh, I do. I, I love that he's the big guy, but it's just the boom bust portion of it. If he is the wide receiver one, he is getting fed those targets. I, I would love him more, but we'd have to see that first. And so I'm a little nervous on it. Stefan Diggs, me and Aiden are in the same boat and have a great love for him. I th everybody's more worried about Josh Allen's uh, efficiency. Fine. Well, his, his accuracy, the fact yes, that he's never yes, 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 yes. It's fine. It's fine. But he's going to eat targets from Beasley and John Brown. And I think he's just more talented. He's going to be the most talented wide receiver on the team. No dispute there. Okay. I'm so that and then we get to Seattle, and I understand McCaff is a big dude, but Man, it, he has just had. I Lockett is just so underrated. They credited him with 16 games last year. He really played 14 because one because he was brought to the hospital with a yes. destroyed leg, and nobody seems to remember that. And it's just so frustrating because man, if you would project him, like he's just he should be a wide receiver one, and nobody really wants to see that. And I love it, so I'm no, taking him I if I can. I have him one slot ahead of Metcalf. I do have Tyler Lockett as the wide receiver one, but I'm just high on both of them. But moving on, we did touch on Tyreek Hill, and you may have noticed I have left him out so far. And a lot of people probably think I'm insane for that, but we've already talked about how I typically avoid him in drafts because of the off-field issues. We're not going to go into that. But he's already hurt, and so he missed four games last year. He was the wide receiver 32 in PPR because he missed those four games. When we go to points per game, he was a wide receiver 11 at 15.7, which is great, but he's 5'10", 185 pounds, and that we're starting to see these injuries rack up. He still has that elite speed. I don't know if you saw the video of him racing McCole Hardman. He, he won, but just kind of concerns me. That's why I bump him down to tier four. These are guys I'd rather have as my wide receiver too. They all could be wide receiver ones, and I'm not surprised if any of them are. It's guys like Ty, or Tyree Kill in that tier. Adam Thielen's another one where the injuries are a concern and his, he's getting older. And the Vikings offense is a little bit of a question mark with that offensive line. So I've got Thielen, Tyree Hill, Marvin Jones, who I think is so underrated, AJ Green, who I'm starting to sour on a little bit with his recent hamstring tweak, 
but Marquise Brown. And then the wide receiver twos, like Robert Woods, who you mentioned, Calvin Ridley, Jarvis Landry, and Marvin Jones, again, who's also a wide receiver two, ready to break out. Uh, rounding out the tier, Cortland Sutton, who's going to lead his team in targets, but I'm worried about Drew Locke. And then Keenan Allen, who's going to lead his team in targets, but again, worried about that offense in general. Yeah, and who even going to be the quarterback? That's a whole nother issue. I completely agree. Hill's going way too high. He he is a decent wide receiver too if you get him like that on your team. But if you're building your team around him, I am not a fan of doing that at all. Um, exactly. Did you hear who I had him list him with? All of them complimentary receivers except for Robert Woods, according to you. Thank you. I was about to say, yeah, all the well, I don't know. I I would consider consider Landry the number one on his team, but. Neither here nor there. I'm also worried about AJ Green. And so having that, I hate saying it, but I think I'm going to have to move Boyd up higher. And that is just a, ugh, Yeah, that, that's where I'm at too. Like right before the show, when you and I were talking in the show meeting, we, we kind of discussed that. And I am kind of worried about AJ Green now, and I don't want to move up Tyler Boyd. So I don't know what to do, Jason. Yeah, really. It's, it's not a fan of that. And man, I, again, if you're looking at taking feeling as your wide receiver one, that has me so nervous. I just, I'm worried about him getting wide receiver one coverage and just staying healthy. Like I'm, I'm so pumped for Justin Jefferson. I think it's a great talent, but the team is going to run first. And I don't understand why people want him as a wide receiver one, even if he is being fed targets. I think that it's going to be more of a split between him, Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith. So yes, Irv Smith. There you go. Gave gave you the boy you want, but completely agree. No, and Cortland Sutton, I would have up there with DJ Chark if he was the clear cut wide receiver one with a better quarterback. But unfortunately, Sutton is in a crowded offense, and his quarterback is bad. Really hate to see it. Moving on, we're going to go to our tier five, which is these are my wide receiver threes and fours. So it's kind of made up of shaky wide receiver ones, like so. AJ Green, I've actually bumped down to this tier. Sorry, I forgot I did that in the pre-show meeting. My bad. It's based on that. Devonte Parker, though, another really shaky wide receiver one. Julian Edelman, T.Y. Hilton, all aging, all wide receiver ones with big question marks. Want them as my wide receiver three, four, and then these wide receiver one A, one B. So we've got Christian Kirk, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller. I can't make up my mind between them. I have Cooks slightly higher. Darius Slayton and Golden Tate can't make up my mind between them either. I have Slayton slightly higher for now, and then we round it out with Rugs and Rager, the target monsters at the rookie position. What do you think about those wide receiver threes and fours, Jason? Yeah, I think it's the right area. I th- think I'd probably move Hilton, Cooks, and Slayton up. For just because I think Slayton has that rapport with Jones, I think he's an impressive player. I think Cook actually becomes a wide receiver one on their team and will get majority of the targets. But he's so small and skinny. You, I know. You like him? I know. Well, I'm just again, his issues are more concussion based. While Fuller has so many soft tissue things that happen to his legs, and that's oh, look makes at me so worried for him. Look at you using science up in here. I, I know it's killing me, but have to remember that. I love Tate and PPR, and I think it, the, the value that you can get him at, he's a great option just to be that safe player that you can plug in and know that he's going to get a handful of targets and be effective with them. So, got to know. Let's, are we going on to the next tier here? Yeah, we're going to cap it off with one final here, and it's really, for me, it's a bunch of slot receivers and it's a bunch of breakout outside receivers. So, exciting slot receivers. We've got Anthony Miller, C.D. Lamb. Really excited about both of them. Not so excited about Tyler Boyd. Not so excited about Sterling Shepard. Jamison Crowder is so boring. You love him. Boring as hell. And then we've got Deontay Johnson. And then on the outside, we have Brashad Perriman. Really exciting. Might lead the Jets in targets. We've got Preston Williams. We have C.D. Lamb again. Michael Pittman Jr., Nikhil Harry, Robbie Anderson, and again, Deontay Johnson. So it's a bunch of breakout guys, but it's just a kind of a mishmash of guys who, I don't know, it's chooser's choice with all of them. If it depends on what my earlier roster is. If I've gone more boom bust with Mike Evans and Stefan Diggs, then maybe I'm looking at a slot guy like Anthony Miller and Tyler Boyd. But if I'm going the really safe guys where they're going to get a lot of targets, a lot of uh, like Cooper Cup early in the draft, then I'm going to look for the field stretchers like Michael Pittman, Kill Harry, Robbie Anderson. Preston Williams. But yeah, I completely understand. I think they're all right where they should be. I think if you're looking for a more balanced player, you're probably looking at Miller and Crowder as the guys who are going to get a lot of targets and be a, an effective player week in, week out, similar to that tape player, but on... What do you have higher top. between the two? Between Crowder and uh, Tate? Well, Crowder and Miller. And Tate, sure, throw in Tate. I probably have it as Tate 
Crowder Miller just because you don't know what the Oh, you're so boring. I know. The, I hate well so you don't know who the QB is going to be in Chicago. You don't know about how effective uh Locke is going to be. And so wait, I know that Anthony, I know that Anthony Miller is a baller, and I know that Jamison Crowder is so boring. Anyways, you answered that wrong. Continue, Jason. Yeah, and I'm just I'm more surprised that you don't have Judy here because I think I love his value the most. So. It's Locke. It's Locke. It is purely Drew Locke. That is the only reason. I absolutely love Jerry Judy. If he was on any other offense, he would. He might be higher than this. Yeah, and so I understand that completely, but I, again, I love Judy right there, and I think his value is awesome. And again, so this was just our upside tier. These are the guys we're taking shots on. There's plenty more guys late in the draft that you can take shots on. We'll be talking about those closer to week one as the guys we're looking at in week one. Lots of news to follow up. So, Jason, do you have any parting words for your adoring fans out there? Yeah, man, I'm just hoping that everybody remains healthy, and I'm just excited for football. And so don't forget in the meantime to keep watching Hard Knocks and check me out on the Fantasy Life app. So go ahead, close it out, Jack. Wow, that was shorter than I expected. You're uh, welcome. Wow. All right, we might have some more time here. No, I'm just kidding. But So make sure you follow us along over at importantnonsense.com for daily articles across the fantasy spectrum. We have news like we covered earlier. We've got your rankings, projections, D- articles on DFS, redraft, dynasty. Absolutely amazing. So check out the work on importantnonsense.com. Don't forget to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at NonsenseFF. I've been your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me on the socials at javanaugh 87 and if you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to drop us a rating and review. And if you didn't, I apologize. Jason can be a little bit alienating at times. It's not his fault. He's trying his best. But so tune in next week. We've got uh, Dr. Dynasty, John Chansey, and Mr. New Wallace Bruce returning with us next week. So thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!